All right, when you think of The View, yes, the ABC daytime talk show, The View, what comes to mind first? I'm just curious. Is it the long list of co-hosts, a few of which are like first name famous? Whoopi, Joy, Barbara, Rosie, Star. And guest co-host, Anthony Scaramucci. Is it the roster of celebrity guests? Person, please welcome Jennifer Aniston, Harrison Ford, Rihanna, Martha Stewart, and Sandra Bullock, and Keanu Reeves, Beyonce, and Tina Knowles. Hope you love that completely random montage of celebrity names, by the way. But you know what, dear listener? I bet those are not the first things you think of when you think of The View. I bet the first thing you think of when it comes to that show are often the very spirited discussions around that table. I mean, let's call it what it is. Drama. Muslims didn't kill us on 9-11? Is that what you're saying? Excuse me, extremists. What religion were they in? What religion was Mr. McVeigh? Mr. McVeigh was an extremist. You missed me so much when I was on maternity leave. You missed me so much. You missed fighting with me. I did not. I did not miss you. It looks like the same. I have a black kid I raised, Whoopi. I have a kid in my house. You don't have to be black to know what racism is. Yes, you do. No, you don't. Yes, you do. Why do you still consider yourself a Republican? Because I'm a Hispanic immigrant Latina. Because I understand that. I asked you if you believe that I thought that. You answer your own question. I don't believe that your suggestion was right. Then we agree to disagree. As we will always do, because this is called what? But here's the thing. That was not what the view was supposed to be in the beginning. When Barbara Walters started The View in 1997, she thought it would be a very nice show, a very calm show, a very intelligent show. It it turned out to be a very intelligent show, but not the other two things. (laughs) That is Ramin Satuda. He's executive editor at Variety. And he also wrote the book on the matter. It is called Ladies Who Punch, the explosive inside story of The View. It's interesting because what Barbara did was she created her own Avengers. And she brought together other women. (laughs) Yes, I love that. She brought together other women that could do what she couldn't. I've always wanted to do a show with women of different generations, backgrounds, and views. A working mom. There was Meredith Vieira. A professional in her 30s. There was Star Jones, my personal favorite. A 22-year-old just starting out. Debbie Matinopoulos. And then somebody who's done almost everything and will say almost anything. And of course, the OG, Joy Behar. This is that show. We call it The View. And they auditioned, you know, uh, over 100 women, and these were their favorites. They were all completely essentially unknown. They weren't household names. They couldn't afford big salaries. The show didn't have a very large budget. And so Barbara figured she was going to assemble these you know, women together at a table, and they were going to do this very classy show. So then how did we go from watching that cinematic universe to this one? You said, Whoopi, you know you what's said horrible? that when it, it was who it's shouldn't okay. be here end it's, up murdering the children of American citizens. You know what's horrible? What's when, horrible when the president of the United States whips up cities. people to beat no. the hell out of people. No. Say goodbye. No. I have been obsessed with The View since it launched and intrigued by it. Like, what is this show? It is ostensibly newsish or news adjacent, but sometimes it can feel as nasty as an episode of Real Housewives. And like, I don't even watch this show in real time too much anymore, but it still finds me 
more than 20 years after this show launched, it is still strangely part of the conversation all the time. So how was a network talk show on daytime TV managed to not only thrive in this era of streaming and social media, but also keep making headlines? I have actually been wanting to talk about The View on this show for a while. And what better time than now? Because as we say goodbye to 2021 in just a few weeks, you know what 2022 means. Midterms. Yeah, I said it. We are always in an election cycle, even when we're not. Anyway, in this episode, we'll give you a short history of The View and talk about how it helped change the entire landscape of television. We'll break down the era of Star Jones to that showdown between Rosie O'Donnell and Elizabeth Hasselbeck. And we'll talk about what this show's evolution in its later years actually tells us about ourselves and society as a whole. I know, you didn't think I was going to make that leap, but here we are. We did. Buckle up, kids. We're taking a ride with the women of The View. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. More after the break. If you can't recall what most of daytime TV was like in the 90s, let me gently remind you that it sounded a lot like this. Case, a five-month-old Jenna Lynn. Matt, you are not the father. And in the case of five-month-old Jenna Lynn Chase, you are not At that point, the landscape of daytime was um, shall we say trash television. It was people talking about, you know, paternity tests and, and DNA tests and throwing chairs on Jerry Springer. Like Pete Mori, Pete Jerry Springer, Pete Sally Jesse Raphael. Like Sally Jesse, it, yeah. The only smart thing on daytime at that time was Oprah. So Barbara Walters saw an opportunity. Barbara had a lot of clout from co-hosting the ABC Primetime News Magazine 2020. And she wanted to make a new show that was for women by women. And actually, I'll just let Miss Piggy do this part. I've always wanted to do a show with women of different generations, backgrounds, and views. A working mom. You know how the rest of it goes. Also, that was Miss Piggy doing a voiceover for an actual episode of The View. Anywho, The View debuted on August 11, 1997. Everybody, deep breath. Good morning, I'm Meredith Vieira. It is Monday, August 11th, and this is the first day of our brand new show called The View. I don't know how you guys slept. By all accounts, that first season was not great. The first season was a disaster. Um, The ratings were very Mm. weak. Like how much of a disaster? The numbers are so different now in TV than they were back then that a disaster in 97 is probably seen as a hit now because everything is so fragmented. But she certainly was, the view was, I think, at less than 50% of like the Rosie O'Donnell show's audience. It was huh. not performing where it needed to perform. No one knew what it was. Uh, it seemed confusing to the audience. Barbara would swoop in and come in and try to be like this motherly figure and very serious and stern and Mm. Nobody, I mean, we forget this now, but nobody also knew that much about Barbara Walters' personal life back then. She was this Mm. serious journalist. And so here she comes on The View and tries to be funny. And she's with the stand-up comedian Joy Behar. And Star Jones is talking about her love life and dating and trying to find the dream husband. And Meredith is making jokes about her kids. And Debbie seems to be on a completely different planet. (laughs) And I said to Debbie, what do you think of John Kennedy? 
and she said, oh, I think he's so cute. Oh, I think he's so sexy. And I said, what do you mean you think he's so sexy? JFK, you know, do you even remember him? She said, oh, that, I was talking about the son. I was talking about the father. You want to talk about generations? Eisenhower to her is, I don't know, what a breakfast cereal, who knows? And so what happened was Tina Fey was the head writer of SNL, and she watches The View, and she thinks this is ridiculous and hilarious that Barbara's trying to pass herself along as, like, your friend next door. And she, so she went in and she started writing these skits on SNL. Yeah. Now, Barbara, what were you doing when Nixon resigned? I was in a hot tub with Henry Kissinger and Juliet Krauss. We speculated about our nation's future, listened to some Harry Chapin, and then made sweet love to the morning sun. You guys, I think they should impeach But no one really knew what the view was until the skits started to air. And then they made the decision to fire Debbie and did a, a nationwide search. This was before the days of American Idol. Now we're so used to these searches, but we had never seen anything like this in the way. And that is what Bill Getty, the executive producer, credits as the turning point for the show. Journalist Lisa Ling joined The View as a co-host in 1999. And while then, Survivor castmate Elizabeth Hasselbeck was voted off one show. Elizabeth, the tribe has spoken. She joined The View cast just a couple years later. And with every host who came and went, they would come to fill certain roles. The funny one, the mean one, the conservative, the liberal, etc. Roles set up almost perfectly for friction. So then the show starts to take off. It's becoming a hit through this weird path and journey. When does the drama between all these hosts become a thing that is a defining characteristic of The View? Was it there from the start? The drama starts really as the other Avengers start to get more and more famous. Mm. And Barbara, who was the original Avenger, starts to realize now she's created these surrogate daughters who are competing with her for attention and for power yeah. and for the spotlight. And it really started to come to head with the first sort of situation on The View was Barbara versus Star Jones. Star Jones is a star in every sense of the word, and she is also our legal eagle star. Hello, everyone. Well, I'm a former New York City homicide prosecutor, meaning I used to put people away for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. I hosted my Star was a legal expert of the group. Which basically meant teaching the other co-hosts to use the word... Allegedly. You all are going to learn this word. I'm going to make them say allegedly. Star was witty. She was smart. She loved fashion. She was looking for love. Of all the co-hosts at that time, Star was the audience favorite. She was the fun one. She was the fun one and also the second most powerful black woman on television after Oprah. Oh, wow. Yeah. She was um, relatable. She was intelligent. She was thoughtful. Bill Getty really credits her for making The View work in those early years because it was the way in which the audience found the show. She was the way in. People turned on The View to watch it and saw a version of themselves to start. Did you sing? It's open mic. Did you No, sing? I was scared. Uh, oh, I can't oh, sing. Singing is I scary. can't sing. You can sing. No, I can't. You yes. yes. I can't sing. That's why I can tell you when you can't sing, because I know I can't sing. Okay? <laughs> but Ramin says two things caused the downfall of Star's time on The View. First, her wedding. Ugh, the wedding. She had this massive crazy wedding to Al Reynolds where she wanted to figure out a way to pay for the wedding. So she started to do product placement on The View 
plugging her wedding in exchange for things like invitations or flowers or, you know, things that Star Jones, who's making multi-million dollars a year on The View, should probably be able to afford. And she dragged it out for a while. It was like a year of spawn It right? went on forever. It was like a political convention. It went on on and on and on. It was like the never-ending <laughs> wedding. Yeah. And as a result of that, she became less relatable. Mm. I got the diamond tiara. Check. I got the earring. Check. I got the shoes. Check. I got the dress. Check. I got the veil. Check. Let's go get married. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second thing that really hurt her was that she um, started ha- had a very serious health problem at this time in her life as she became more successful, and she needed to have a gastric bypass. And after the bypass, she refused to talk about her medical intervention on television. She refused Even to say that she had— Even though we all could see the change. You could see that she was losing lots of weight, but she would always say that she became skinny through like exercise and diet and Pilates. And that wasn't the case. And so these two, and the, and the other co-hosts started to resent Star for one, hijacking the show, and two, for, you know, pretending that she had, you know, suddenly lost all this weight on her own instead of being uh, forthcoming with viewers. And so they would always get asked about it. And it turned into, Meredith Vieira told me, it turned a little bit into the Star Jones show. And mm. as a result of that, Barbara Walters decided that it was time to fire Star, which led to this explosive moment on television. Thank you guys, I apologize yeah. for interrupting you. Where Star Jones, Something's knowing she'd been heart. fired, decided that she was going to announce that she's leaving two days before she was supposed counsel. to. Uh, I feel like this is the right time to tell you that uh, the show's moving in another direction for its 10th season, and I will not be returning as co-host next year. Yeah, you couldn't write a better screenplay. I mean, it was just drama. Drama. We didn't expect her to make this statement yesterday. She gave us no warning. I mean, the morning show has nothing on the view, right? (laughs) We gave her time to look for another job, and we hoped then that she would announce it here in the program and leave with dignity. But Star made another choice. And since her announcement... By mid-2006, Star and Meredith had both left The View which left the need for a new buzzworthy co-host and moderator, someone to jazz up the ratings, and perhaps add a dash of the occasional controversy. What's all the fuss about? <laughs> well, it's about our new set. What do you think? Enter Rosie O'Donnell. Do you think there's anyone who does not know you? Uh, that maybe we should introduce you, or is that unnecessary? Oh, okay, my name is Meredith Vieira, and welcome to The View. Rosie had come off her very own successful daytime talk show, The Rosie O'Donnell Show. And she brought her own sense of humor and style to The View. Oh, boys. We had a Fisher Price Playtex, like plastic kitchen thing. Playtex was wrong. (laughs) Play school. Yeah, they make tampons and baby products. Um, (laughs) They do, actually. Just a few months in with Rosie at the helm, the show had its best ever ratings to date. The View had a big slice of the market in the key demo of women 18 to 49. And it rose to the number four spot in all of daytime. Compared to the previous year, in 2005, the ratings for The View were up 15%. And that Rosie era sort of helped crystallize what many of us know The View as now. It was predictive of what would happen on television in so many different ways. And Rosie's time on The View was very tumultuous. And so he held a press conference to (laughs) announce whether or not she was going to retain her crown. And then she started to cry. She did. I just want to thank Donald. Just giving me a second chance. And And there he is, hair looping, going, everyone, everyone deserves a second chance. 
if you thought Donald Trump's beef with Rosie went back to his first election, think again. In December 2006, during a Hot Topics segment, Rosie joked about a press conference Trump gave the day before. As the owner of the Miss USA contest, Trump publicly forgave pageant winner Tara Connor. She had been caught partying and using drugs. Rosie took that as a chance to rib at Trump's hair and his finances and his general moral compass. That this man is like sort of one of those, uh, you know, snake oil salesmen yes. in, in Little House on the Prairie. You remember that episode yes. where the guy would come in with a lot of bottles and everybody would be like, ooh, and then he'd leave and little Laura Ingalls would go, Dad, I, I don't think there's anything in this bottle. <laughs> well, you're right, half Fine. That man was full of crap. <laughs> you know, that's sort of what it is, I think, you know. And of course, you know Donald Trump took the high road. Well, Rosie O'Donnell's disgusting. I mean, both inside and out. You take a look at her, she's a slob. She talks like a, like a truck driver. Rosie attacked me personally. Incidentally, on that exact same episode that Rosie slammed Trump, who but Trump's soon-to-be second favorite person was scheduled to appear as a guest. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I was laughing so hard backstage, I didn't think I'd get out. Senator Hillary Clinton, still debating whether she'd run for president. Day we're in trouble on this show, just yeah. like you and the rest of the Isn't board. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Yeah, I, would, I wonder why that happens. I don't know. We just, we just women, I think. I think there may be something to <laughs> that. As moderator, Rosie O'Donnell helped push the view in a new direction, and that direction was political. We will talk more about that in a bit, about how you really can't run for president these days without going on the view. But besides becoming a destination for politicians. The View also kind of predicted what our political discourse would become outside of the show as well. Heightened, tense, and at times combative. Torture. The American government is allowing torture. It comes from the president all happen? the way down. What do you think should we happen? We should uphold the standards of the Geneva Convention and lead the free world in democracy. I, I believe that. But what she was venting about the Iraq war. She was venting about George W. Bush. She was very um, upset about what was happening politically in America, like a lot of moms were. And it became this huge power struggle between Rosie and yeah. Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Remember Elizabeth, the former Survivor cast member? Well, on The View, she was, for all intents and purposes, the Republican. War is very divisive. You know, I mean, people are not, people are either going to be with it's it or against it. Like us. I like them to opinion. like us around the world. I'd rather be respected okay, and I'd rather be I, safe I, than but liked. But despite disagreeing on politics, Rosie and Elizabeth were friends off camera. She saw Elizabeth as a project for her to come in and try to shape her and make her better on TV. And how great would it be if Rosie the liberal and Elizabeth the conservative could get along? And she had all these aspirational ideas of what she could do with Elizabeth Hasselbeck. And of course, Elizabeth Hasselbeck didn't want to be produced or programmed by Rosie O'Donnell. And so things shifted in that spring as Rosie was going to leave the show. And it all sort of came to a head one day in May of that season when Rosie and Elizabeth started having a debate about the Iraq war. Did Iraq attack us? No, I'm saying Al-Qaeda. Okay, Ooh, did Iraq, Iraq attack us, Elizabeth? Iraq did not attack us, Correct. Rosie. We've been there before. Well, I'm you? saying our enemies, Al-Qaeda, are you hearing that? Uh, I, I, I hear it, but okay, where do you okay. want to go? That turned into a very awkward, odd, painful fight about betrayal, friendship, who wasn't defending who. Rosie felt mm. like Elizabeth didn't do enough to defend her against the pundits that attacked her on Fox News. Because here's how it gets spun in the media. Rosie, big, fat, lesbian, loud Rosie, attacks innocent, pure Christian Elizabeth. And I'm not doing it for the rest of the 
and it was like you were watching a dressing room fight or a, like a rift between two friends, and it was live on national television at 11 o'clock in the morning. You know what? Poor little Elizabeth is not poor little Elizabeth. That's okay? right. That's why I'm not going to fight with you anymore because it's absurd. So for three weeks, you could say all the Republican crap you want. You I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do it. It's much easier to fight someone like Donald Trump, isn't it? Because he's obnoxious. I've never fought him. He fought me. I told a fact about him. Did he didn't like this conversation. I, I, I was in the middle of this I conversation. It was a housewives moment before the phrase housewives moment was even a thing. As Ramin said, this whole argument that played out uninterrupted for 10 minutes, this was live and unedited and in the same time slot as The Price is Right. The initial idea of a show filled with different women from different generations, the one Barbara Walters had wanted in the beginning, that was instead replaced by the idea of different women with different politics, all leaning into the worst stereotypes of women. But all that stuff was also working. Those fights between Rosie and Elizabeth, that drama between Star and Barbara, those helped the show solidify its power. Because of those moments, people were watching and paying attention. Last year, The View had its most watched season in six years. And according to an article from The Wrap in December 2020, quote, including syndication programs season to date, The View ranks number one in households for the first time at this point in the season in its 24-year history. And The View isn't just successful. It's been influential. How much of that culture of just, like, women fighting women that we now see all over TV is directly linked to what The View was doing in the 90s and early 2000s. I I talked to Bill Getty, the producer, executive producer, about this, and he said that he thought the fighting that happened on The View wasn't necessarily linked to the fact that it was women. He thought the fighting was the result of being famous. Uh. And the idea that Barbara Walters created the show thinking she was going to be the only star and she'd bring in these other four surrogate daughters and they'd talk and then it would be over. And what happened was it became a vehicle for women in Hollywood who had accomplished so much and succeeded in different fields, sort of coming together and needing each other. Like, Barbara needed Rosie because Rosie was a very famous person in daytime. And Rosie needed Barbara because Rosie couldn't continue on in daytime on her own because when she joined The View, like, daytime television had changed. And they needed Elizabeth because they needed the conservative. But the conservative resented the fact that she was always the conservative. And so Mm -hmm. there were a lot of tensions and um, fighting uh, that had to do with, I think— ego and uh, being a famous person and not wanting to share the spotlight and not wanting to be spoken at in a certain way. And I think some of that also plays into the debates that we see. But it is different because I think if there was a show with men, it wouldn't be portrayed this way in the media. I don't think that the... And we wouldn't eat it up so much. Like There are stories written every week just about the fights on The View. And it's like a cottage industry at this point. Like, Would we be looking at it as closely if it were men doing this? I don't think so. Dick Clark tried to do his own version of this with Danny Bonaduce and Mario Lopez. Now, it wasn't a very. Are you serious? What? I'm serious. It wasn't a very exciting (laughs) show. It aired, I'm trying to remember the name. I think it was called. I want to say it was called. Bonaduce. Oh, my God. The other something. Today, on the other half, learn to read a man's mind. You can tell if a person likes you or not based on how their toes are pointed. I mean, it was incredibly boring, and Dick Clark wasn't, like, fighting with Mario Lopez about the war in Iraq. 
But um, <laughs> there wasn't the same, there weren't, the Sparks made The View successful because people were, I, I can't tell you how many people sort of in my everyday life claim to have never seen The View, but they're aware somehow oh, about yeah. every little thing that happens on the show. It's like they read about it, even if they don't watch it. And then there are millions of people that also read about it and watch it. What do you make of the fact that like this show has become known most for the fighting? I'm guessing Barbara Walters didn't want it to be that way. Of course, she didn't fight it when it happened because she wants to succeed, as you said. But like, if you could talk to Barbara now and see what the view trends for these days, you'd think she's happy about that. Barbara Walters didn't like it when they were fighting. She didn't like the, that the fighting overshadowed the show. And she said that to me in multiple conversations I had with mm. her because she did worry that it would tarnish her legacy. I think that if I were to talk to her now, she would say it's too heated. It's too, um, there's too much uh, tension and drama. But at the same time, our culture has changed so much. I think what has happened to America, you know, post the Trump years is that Everything is raised. The temperature is raised in all the discussions that we have. And, it, and it, the view does mirror what happens, you know, at Thanksgiving dinner or in conversations where everything is so polarized that people who are in different parts of the political spectrum really don't see eye to eye. And we live in a world where half the country thinks that, you know, the election results aren't real. Coming up, we'll take a broader look at the view and its brand of politics. And how mostly male politicians went from making excuses about going on The View to making it a must-stop on the campaign trail. That is after the break. Now let's go to commercial. Who is producing this show? Go! Go! Let's go to commercial! Let's go to commercial! On June 3rd, 1992, Arkansas Governor Bill Clinton had on what the New York Times referred to as cheap sunglasses. He wore a dark suit and tie, and he was playing the saxophone on the Arsenio Hall show. He also happens to be running for president of the United States. It wasn't the first time a candidate for president tried something unconventional to disarm voters and reach a broader base. But... This was one of the more memorable. <laughs> Speaking you know of what your drummer said, what he Sir? said, if this music thing doesn't work out, you can always run for president. Now, would you believe me if I told you that this moment of Bill Clinton playing very badly Heartbreak Hotel in cheap sunglasses and a dark suit and tie, that was the sort of beginning of the blueprint for what the View would become, at least politically. No? Well, let me try. As The View leaned more into politics, the show also began to gain more clout with politicians themselves. And sure, it is very easy to dismiss The View as nothing more than women fighting other women. Because, I mean, that's part of the show's DNA. But they are also, quote-unquote, fighting about the issues of the day on a very influential program that reaches one of the most important and active demographics for voting. Women. In 2008, Senator John McCain sat down with The View to talk about his run for office. And that episode drew about 4.6 million viewers. At the time, it was the fourth most watched episode in The View's history. A senator and a maverick. And come November, he wants you to call him Mr. President. So please welcome presidential nominee, Senator John McCain. 
And then in 2010, The View made history again when Obama stopped by, this time as the first sitting president to do so. They weren't the first politicians to go on, but that was kind of the beginning of, I mean, these were very busy people, and yet they made time to go on the show. That is Amanda Fitzsimons. In 2019, she wrote the cover story for The New York Times magazine. It's called How the View Became the Most Important Political TV Show in America. And when you watch old footage of politicians going on The View, it's uncanny that almost all of them, and most of them are male, make this joke that I'm doing this because my wife likes The View. You've gone through a little bit of a beating uh, the last month. Do you really think that being on the show with a bunch of women, five women, who never <laughs> shut up is going to be calming? That is the... Uh, look, I was trying to find a show that Michelle actually watched. <laughs> but I want to say by 2015, because <laughs> I watched so much of it at once, that joke, <laughs> the same people, I mean, Joe Biden or... Joe Biden's just one example that comes to mind. They don't make that joke. I mean, all of a sudden, they don't have to explain that they're a fish out of water. But I think it was probably the show was only a decade in when politicians and political strategists realized that the show had political valence. And I think Barbara Walters being the creator helped get a certain high-profile guest just kind of out of the gate. But I don't know that it's something people noticed for a long time. And in fact, when Barack Obama went on the show in 2010, the governor of Pennsylvania at the time, Ed Rendell, who was also a Democrat, said Mm. that it was beneath him, that the president shouldn't go on a fluffy show. Right. We would never have that conversation now. And I think the shift that it's not just that people were going on it, but the shift that it's now presumed you will go on it. I think that happened around 2015. In the most recent presidential election, that shift became the clearest it's ever been. In the lead up to the 2020 Democratic primary, more than half the people who announced they were running for president made an appearance on The View. In fact, Ohio Representative Tim Ryan announced his candidacy on the show. And my daughter called me and she said, you got to do something. And I said... I'm going to do something, and I'm going to run for president of the United States, and we're going to make him And when then-candidate Joe Biden announced his third run for president, where did he choose to give his first extended interview? The View. What took so long to get into the race? We're so happy you finally announced. Well, you know, I, the, let me ask the audience. Aren't these campaigns over long to begin with? Huh? You know what I mean? It's not till February the first. You know, I will say when I think of the types of interview scenarios that politicians put themselves into, the view's got to be one of the harder ones. You have an audience that's in the room, and on top of that, there are what four or five women interviewing you, each with competing interests and personal drama of their own. It seems like a politician has to juggle a lot to do that kind of hard interview when they could be doing a lot of easier sit-downs with terrain that seems less uh, full of potential traps. And yet, they keep going to this and they want to go to it. Why do politicians want so badly to be on a show that is sometimes so hard to do well? Well, that's a great question. I think it can be a wonderful opportunity depending on what type of politician you are. And if you're someone like Obama who just is a pro at 
being likable and magnanimous and smooth. It really is a way to showcase those skills. And so I think that that can be great. If you're a sort of awkward politician, if you're too much of a policy wonk, you might not want to go on. Amanda says in 2016, The View asked Hillary Clinton to come back on the show several times. But she agreed to appear only once. If you're going to be in public life, you have to have a thick skin. So I have developed a thick skin. And anybody who's interested, I have great creams for it. (laughs) Amanda says Joy Behar told Clinton that showing up only once on The View was a mistake. Because The View was a chance for voters, especially those undecided, to see a different side of Hillary. Aside, perhaps, that her husband showed by playing Heartbreak Hotel on Arsenio Hall. Getting to know someone, especially a candidate for political office, you could say that is the secret sauce of The View. Take, for example, Pete Buttigieg in January of 2019. I remember it was either his first or second television appearance since he announced that he was running uh, Pete Buttigieg. Um, so it was what very early on. And, you know, he had done a long segment. I think his dad died maybe the day before. So he seemed, you know, emotionally very raw, though remarkably composed. And I remember thinking, you know, here's this guy. I've never heard of him before. And I really got a sense of him. Um, And so to me, faith is largely about humility. It's about humbling yourself in the service of others. Well, that's the Jimmy Carter was like that, is like that. That was his religion. And and that sense of servant leadership, Mm -hmm. I think, is something we need a lot more of. Uh, and I do think there now are he's a much bigger player on the stage. And but at the time, they they asked him a lot of questions, and I felt like, okay, I think I know who this person is, you know. And I don't know another show that can do that in quite the efficient way that The View can. You can see the same type of political guest on any cable news show, but The View's audience has a very different kind of relationship with the show's host. People who watch those cable news shows are usually coming to them with a point of view already built in. They are not there to have their minds changed. But The View, The View co-hosts you know a lot about. You know when they're potty training their kids or when a parent is having health issues or which celebrity they have a crush on. A lot of viewers aren't coming just for the politics. They are coming for the personalities and to see where those personalities fall on the politics and to see them talk it out and perhaps have their minds changed at home. While The View audience tends to skew liberal, as do its co-hosts, the show can kind of serve as a sort of Rorschach test for what the country is thinking and feeling. I mean, you could bet it was a hot topic when we got a fight between Joy Behar and Meghan McCain. That's the way to solve the problem. Keep them there happy or whatever. Solvent. Give them a house. Give them food. Help them. Help their children. Give them Stop, the, cr- a, Stop a the crime rates. Well, we've had a I'm bunch of liberal guests and do not Hold want on. to send an aid I at listen all. to you. Let me just finish. <laughs> yeah, part of your job is to listen to me. <laughs> okay, so here's the just deal. Here's what's, here's what's not... Depending on where you are, just thinking of where you are on the ideological spectrum, if you're a certain kind of Democrat having a sparring session with Meghan McCain and having potential voters see you kind of get into the fray with Meghan could really help. Mm. In another way, if you're more of a moderate, if you can show that you can get Meghan onto your side, 
that could be useful. It's almost like mm-hmm. a mini town hall in a way. So I think that's another reason politicians go on. Mm-hmm. I will say, I mean, like this kind of gets to the big point that I'm taking away from all these conversations about the view and politics. You know, whether we like it or not, a show like The View, a daytime show like The View being a destination for national politicians shows what American politics is right now. It exists in the same milieu as entertainment daytime talk television. We expect our politicians and our politics to entertain us and not just be politics and not just be governing. We expect them to show humanity. We expect them to talk about diapers on The View. We expect them to play the saxophone and to like be humans in this very daytime TV way. And that's just the way it is. And like there are value judgments to be made or not be made about it. But the close relationship between The View a daytime television show full of daytime TV reality show style drama, that kind of show being so closely tied to American politics tells you a lot about the cultural space American politics occupies right now. Absolutely. I have been going through this with these people for years. I am simply I'm saying... I'm years old. Yes, I mean, and, you're, and you're half my age, so I hear what, what I know. Why are you for universal health Fox, care? Folks, okay. we could go You on. want that same government. Elizabeth, calm down, dear. I can't. This yes, makes me so Barbara. Don't tell me what I'm supposed to be saying, Megan, okay? You do your I'm thing, we you do ours. I'm not telling you what you're supposed to say. I know. I'm well aware we do separate things on the show, Joy, okay? And I know you've been here 25 years. I've been here You know, whether we like it or not, we live in a political media reality shaped by The View. Even if that show is canceled tomorrow, we will see its fingerprints all over TV and our politics for a while. This idea of having a panel show wasn't really that common on television, certainly Mm. not on daytime television. Again, Ramin Satuta. And so now we have the talk. When I watch CNN, it looks like the view to me. Sure like does. It's yeah. Prime time, and there's a bunch of people and arguing, and there's like there's less news and more opinion. And I think one of the arguments in my book is that the view is ahead of the curve in realizing the importance of opinion. This was before Twitter and Facebook and social media, and really the only opinion that you could consume were in the op-ed pages of newspapers. But the way we consume news is not; it's through a filter now, and we want to see. Rather than actually hearing or seeing the news, we want to hear um, and watch people responding to the news. Uh. And I think it was really ahead of the curve in realizing that, Uh. realizing there was a part of us in the culture that we wanted to see people debate. I mean that in a in a, Lookie, in a crazy I, I adore way. you, as you know. Yes. But that was a cheap shot. No, I'm trying to explain. I'm, I'm, oh, oh, wait. No, I'm no, trying, no, 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 no. I know what you're trying to do. I get it. And that's why I said. Big thanks again to my guest, Ramin Satuda, executive editor at Variety and author of the best-selling book, Ladies Who Punch, the explosive inside story of The View. There is so much drama in that book that we couldn't even touch. I sped through that one. It's so good. Go find it and check it out. Also, thanks to Amanda Fitzsimons. She wrote the New York Times Magazine cover story, How the View Became the Most Important Political TV Show in America. All right, this episode was produced by Janae West and edited by Jordana Hochman, with help from Athani Maturi. Our engineer was Kwesi Lee. And special thanks to Ida Porasan for fact-checking. 
All right, listeners, don't forget we're back this Friday with another episode. Till then, thank you for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. We'll talk soon. Um, Janae, I'm going to give you my best, 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 Joy Behar. Well, this is me impersonating Fred Armisen impersonating Joy Behar from The View. So what? Who cares? So what? Who cares? So what? So what? Who cares? So what? Who cares? So what? Who cares? Okay.